Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Good it's good to see all of you. Uh, my name is Dell. For those of you who don't know or watching online, I'm one of the pastors here. And um, yeah, I was just telling the first service, you know, that music, I'm going to have to come up with like my, you know, kind of the disco sort of groove. It kind of makes you want to move a little bit. But so it's good to be with you. And um, just, you know, with everything going on, and, and like, like those of you who were here last week, we were wanting to jump into this series last week, but. Uh, just felt like there was another message that needed to be preached, and so we went with that last week. Uh, but this week, we are going to start the series called The Bible Doesn't Say That. And again, this will be a series that we kind of jump in and out of throughout the year. Uh, we're just going to do a few weeks at a time. And um, how many of you know that there, and maybe, maybe you as well, if, if we're, you know, forthcoming, that there's been times maybe when we've taken a scripture out of context, or maybe we know somebody or have seen somebody that uses scripture out of context, right? They kind of maybe close their eyes and, okay, Lord, lead me, and they open their Bible and, you know, put their finger on a, a page and the, just take that one scripture. Um, maybe oftentimes people have even used this on you or you've seen them misuse it out of context. Um, again, I know I've done that in the past, you know, when I was younger in the faith and Again, always, we should all always be seeking to, to know the scripture, but it, context is so important. And especially in the day and age that we're living now, where there are a lot of churches, uh, again, they have the name church above their, their door, so to speak, but they, they, they twist and they misuse scripture in such a way that it's coming even from the, the pulpit. And so we have to know scripture, we have to be on guard, and we have to know what we're stepping into. And so, as we get into this series, a couple of ground rules, if we can. First, is I would ask that, you know, if it's you, and it applies to you, just, just take it. You know, we've all been there, and don't, you know, get all worked up about it. And again, even when I had studied in the past and, and gotten into some of these scriptures, it's like, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. You know, I think about the times where I really missed it. And so that's okay, you know, it's, we have an opportunity to grow each time, and I pray that that'll be the case. The second ground rule is once you understand this, when someone in your world or in your life decides or does, uses it kind of out of context, and I'm not talking about most of the, the, the scriptures here, just, they just need a little steering, but we're not going to like just jump and pounce on people, okay? Like stop in mid-sentence, you know, and like, aha, that is wrong. You know, don't you read the Bible? No, we're not going to do that. We're going to walk in love and grace and kindness to one another, right? And so, can we all agree on that? Do we need to pass the forms out for signatures? We're good. Online as well, we're going to have an online form for you, so you're not off the hook. All right, so just as long as we know that, <clears throat> then we can go ahead and, and move forward. And so, for that sake, everybody's probably like, I'll sign anything, just get it moving. All right, we'll go. So, the, the first, this first scripture that we're going to look at today comes from the Gospel of Luke. And see if this situation kind of rings a bell for any of you. You know, you're, you're in a, a, a conversation with somebody or you try to approach somebody, maybe, you know, because you've noticed something in their life that's maybe um, could be harmful to them or, you know, you, you really feel like you need to address something or maybe, and it may not even be in the church, it may be outside the church. And you know, it seems like if there's a scripture people know in the Bible, even if they don't attend church, it's this one, especially in these moments. And it goes something like this. This is what they'll say. You know, judge not, 
lest you be judged. Has anybody got the privilege of experiencing this? Like, you try to talk to somebody, you call somebody out, so to speak, like, that's wrong, you know, and they'll, they'll rattle that off, King James Version, whatever you want, the, all the versions, they know it, because they're like, no, back off. You have no place to come in and tell me what's, what I'm doing wrong or, 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 you know, point out my shortcomings, right? They, 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 it's a go-to verse. Sometimes they may come back, too, with a question for you, like, you know, well, <clears throat> aren't we all sinners? Aren't we all sinners? Which is a true, you know, yeah, of course we are. We're all sinners. But they're basically saying, like, well, if you have sin in your life, I've got sin in my life, then who are you to, to talk to me or, or to call me out on anything? Another question might go something like this. What gives you the right to make a moral judgment about me or others? You know, when we call things out or, you know, like Pastor Tony prayed earlier, you know, when we were, we're talking about abortion and things, what gives you the right to say that you're right and people are wrong that on the other side, right? Who gives you the right? Or maybe this phrase, this last phrase, only God can judge someone. Is that a true statement? It is true. It is true. But what it comes down to is, is really this word judge and judgment, right? There's, it's kind of a broad word if you look at it. And so we're going we're gonna to deep dive a bit into this and um, hope you got your seatbelts on and, and it's going to be good. So in Luke chapter 6, and this is where this, this verse comes from, we're going to read through some of this. And, and just to set up the, the setting a little bit, you know, this is Jesus speaking. Um, it's not the extensive account of the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, um, but it is, it is just on the tail end of that. Luke's touched that a little bit. And, and it's a crowd full of people from really a lot of places. There's disciples, there's people just kind of, you know, kicking the tires, so to speak, seeing what's going on. Uh, there's Pharisees. How many of you just laugh at times at the Pharisees, the way they always show up in a scene? Like, it doesn't matter. It seems like, you know, Jesus is doing something you know, out, I'm surprised like in those moments where he's in the wilderness, you know, like praying by himself and then like a Pharisee kind of comes up out behind the bush like, hey, they always just seem to pop up in every case because they were just after Jesus. They were looking for any way, you know, to catch him, to get him, you know, uh, under their thumb, so to speak. So, so that's, they're in the crowd as well. And so understand that, you know, this is what we're looking at as Jesus speaks. And so this is Jesus speaking, Luke chapter 6, verse, beginning in verse 37. And he says this, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And then he goes on in, in, in verse 39, and he goes on to this parable. And let's go ahead and take a look at that. Verse 39, he says, he also told them a parable. It says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out that speck or the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye 
And then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, just that uh, as we just enter into this time and into the weeks ahead, Lord God, I pray that you would just speak to us through your word. God, I pray that uh, we never, ever set out to mishandle scripture or to use it, Lord, as a, a weapon, Lord, to hurt others. But God, I pray that through today and, and through the, the weeks ahead, Lord God, that you would just speak to our hearts. And God, where there needs to be repentance, God, let us be quick to do that. And God, I pray just by your spirit that you would show us, Lord, the truth through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, there are many people really on both sides of this, um, this, this statement. And they're both inside the church and outside the church. And again, it is a... It can be a default mechanism, if you will. It's, it's something that can be, as we say, they hide behind it. Whenever we start getting into the weeds a bit, whenever we start uh, you know, trying to, to bring attention to something, oftentimes even in the church, you know, we, we, we use this phrase, mutual accountability. Mutual accountability. But if you think about that, when somebody comes in, you know, it's, again, we have to guard and be careful not to throw up this this wall and just to receive what they have to say is it true is it not true and so let's make a few observations here from the scripture just again just getting the context understanding and so let's look at this word judgment that we keep talking about now the the word there the original word is crino all right and it's it's got a lot of meaning i'm going to read these out just listen i'm going to kind of plow through them here real quick decide it means to decide to prefer hold a view evaluate, make a legal decision, condemn, or rule. And we actually even get the English word critic from this. Now again, many of those words, you know, we can, we can relate to, but when we get to the words, something like condemn, that, that's a kind of a different weight, isn't it? It's kind of a different uh, a meaning, a probably a deeper meaning, or rule. Much like when we see judges ruling in a case, right? They look at the evidence, they look at the facts, and then they, they make a, a judgment. Sometimes, they, depending on the state or whatever, that could mean death. So there's a condemnation to that. There can come with that. Um, again, we've talked about the audience a bit. But, but here, this word judge that, that's in this text, in this, in this section of Scripture, it is not referring to, for example, using discernment. How many of us know when we enter a situation or maybe uh, a conversation with a person or whatever, we're... we're, we're Discerning, we start, our feelers are going up, right? We're checking things out. We have to use discernment. How many know discernment is good? <laughs> have you ever tried to cross the street? And there's a bunch of traffic, you know? You are discerning <laughs> at which point you have the best chance of success to make it to the other side. Unless, just so you know, unless um, you're in other parts of the world, um, and, and you find out very quickly, where'd I go, Vietnam? Yeah, in Vietnam, that was it. I'm trying to remember. In Vietnam, it's very interesting. I was with a local, and they kind of grabbed my arm. And I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, just trust me. I'm like, I don't want to trust you, because like, th this is going like this right now, and like multiple lanes. And he's like, here's some rules. You start walking, you don't stop, right? Because they, the driver will freak out. They kind of gauge your speed, and they'll go like around you. And you don't stop and you just keep walking. It's like, okay. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, like parting the Red Sea or maybe like Harrison Ford, like when he steps out, you know, in Indiana Jones onto the, the invisible bridge, if you've seen that. 
It was kind of like that, you know, I'm just like, I got much closer to Jesus at that moment. I'm like, Jesus, could be seeing you soon. And so we stepped out and we just start walking and like traffic's like going in front of us and behind us and we just keep walking. Um, and it was, it was quite a, an event. So, you know, discernment at that point, I was just discerning if I needed a, a clean pair of underwear afterwards or not. But outside of that though, in most, in most cases in life, you know, we do need to discern situations. We discern people. You know, you meet somebody and you're like, you know, I can't put my finger on it, but discernment's kicking in. I'm not sure, you know, this is, this is going to be a good, good relationship. So discernment is, this is not what judge, judge here is referring to. It's also not referring to forming opinions regarding someone. Now, we need to be slow about forming opinions, but the minute you meet somebody, you are forming opinions about that person very quickly, aren't you? All good, right? All good? No, we, we, we are taking in what, you know, that's what God gave us. He gave us a, a mind, and we, we take in all the, you know, the, the, what is it, the conversation clues and all that stuff. We're, we're pulling that in and processing, and so we are, again, forming some opinions. Now, when we first meet somebody, we need to kind of hold those things loose, give that person a chance. You know, maybe it's a bad day, but we, we, we are able to do that. Judgment here, judging, is not referring to uh, uh, an arrival at moral judgments based on someone's conduct. What does that mean? You know, when you, when you, you probably have come across people in the church maybe at time, or people that say that they're Christians, but you're looking at the fruit of their life and how they live. Again, you're not judging them to hell or condemning them for eternity, but you can kind of see a pattern and be like, well, it's not adding up. You know, you say you follow Christ, you say, you, you know, you're, you're seeking to be more like Jesus, but the way you're treating that person or that person or the things that come out of your mouth really says otherwise. Now, we're all, we're all growing, right? We're all growing in Christ. We're all becoming more like Christ every day. We're not perfect. We haven't arrived. And so, again, it's, it's understanding, but we're not, we're not saying that you have to have arrived, but you can uh, arrive at some judgments there. Judge here is not referring to ethical evaluations. It's not referring to voicing an unfavorable opinion. This has probably been one of the biggest challenges for the church, especially the day and age we live in, is that the church has been silent on so many things. We've stood by and watched kind of the world and, and watched things go in society while the church has sat back and remained silent. Why? Because we don't want to judge. We bought into, well, we don't, we, we can't, we can't call them out on that. We can't say anything. Yes, we can. It's okay. It's okay to voice an unfavorable opinion. Now, some of you are a lot better at this than others. A lot better. You know that person that, you know, they have no problem, they have no filter here. It just comes out, you know. Hopefully you learn to appreciate that in some sense. At least you know where you're at with that person, but... Yeah, some of us are not quite as uh, soft with the, the words as others. But, but yeah, we, we need to be vocal. We need to say what we need to say. And there's nothing wrong with that. And lastly, judgment here is not referring to taking a disciplinary action within the church. So when there are issues or when there are struggles or there's something happening or somebody's kind of being unruly within the body of Christ, there is a process, biblical process, that's laid out, you know, we go, we talk to that person, we bring some of the elders, we talk to that. If they're unwilling to repent and to change and to, to turn, there is a point, and I've never been a part of this, I've, I know people that have, um, I hope we never have that, you know, but there's a point where you come up in front and you say, 
you call out that person in front of the whole congregation and say, this is why. That is just judgment. That is the right kind of judgment, right? And, and that is okay. So we're kind of seeing what this judging is here by looking at what it is not. Um, again, coming on, on the heels of this, this Sermon on the Mount, and you know, it's explaining what it means to love God with all of our heart, and this is what Jesus was doing, and he's also explaining to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? This is the context that we're talking about, this kind of judgment. And I really believe that what Jesus is, is driving home here, what Jesus is really getting at, if there was one word, uh, it's, it's hypocrisy. Because remember, in the crowd, you had the Pharisees, and you had the Sadducees, you had these religious leaders. And so Jesus is really dialing down on them and the man-made standards that they had put into place. They oppressed the people of God. And there are times in our lives when we must judge, and we're not talking about eternal judgment or condemnation, but judgment nonetheless. And, and, and following you know, with what Jesus was doing, again, it's, it's hypocrisy that he cannot stand. We see very clearly that the heart of the Pharisees was not in the right place, was it? The Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time, they followed 200 and plus laws they had to follow. And they would check off those things, and they made sure everybody knew about it too, right? Everything was show on the outside. The problem was is their heart was far from God. Their heart was so far from God that they couldn't recognize that the Messiah was standing right in front of them. Can you imagine that? Like, all of the studying they did, all the effort that went into keeping the laws and everything going on, and yet the very one that they were waiting for and expecting was standing there, and they were blind, spiritually. They couldn't see who was standing in front of them. And so Jesus is getting down to the heart of the issue we are called to judge in the right heart. In John 7, verse 24, it talks about judging with right judgment. It's the right attitude, the right heart. In 1 Corinthians 5, 12, it's, it talks about judging those inside the church. In this case, it was sexual immorality. And there was a judgment that came in. Why? Because we are called to be holy. We are not perfect. We are going to make mistakes. But we do not allow sin to abound. We do not allow people to continue to walk in a way that's contrary to the word of God and what God's called us to. In Luke 6, 43 verse through 45, it talks about judging good fruit from bad. If you plant an apple tree and it produces no fruit, there's a problem, right? There's a problem. There's a parallel there between those people who call themselves Christians like we talked about earlier, but there's no fruit of that in their life. Or worse, you plant an apple tree and you get oranges where it's producing fruit, but it's not producing the kind of fruit that it's supposed to. And that's a whole another sermon in itself. A lot of people in the church even are producing fruit, but it's not the right kind of fruit. What does that mean? They are doing things or they are saying things that is not lifting up the body of Christ, that is not edifying to anyone. 
And that is the wrong kind of fruit. And so we are called to judge the difference between good fruit and bad fruit. And so now that you all know that you can judge and you're all geared up and ready to go, I want to share four questions that we should ask ourselves to gauge our heart when judgment is needed. Okay? So when we are going to enter into this situation or this dialogue or we're going to, to engage this somehow, I want to speak to us today about four questions to gauge our heart. The first question is, am I walking in humility? Am I walking in humility? Anybody here walk in humility all the time? Okay, I thought I'd get at least one person. <laughs> We'd say, uh, um, we joke around sometimes about some people, and maybe you know this person, the person that's proud of their humility. <laughs> Have you met those people? Oh no, not you. No, you first, not me, no. It's all my fault. It's always, and then really what it is, is all about bringing themselves, the spotlight to themselves, and we joke about that. Don't be proud of your, humi proud of your, your humility. But the question is today is, how, am I walking in humility? In, in verses 37 through 38 there, as we, uh, we read through in Luke chapter 6, and we're kind of digging in here a little bit, it says to judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Now, again, notice those, those statements. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. And then it says, for with this, the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, again, here, verse 38, a lot of times it's misused, to be honest. Not misused, but it talks about, like, they want to, everyone wants to use it for money, right? You ever done that or heard that? You know, give and it will be given to you. Now, again, that is a true statement. It's sowing and reaping. It's that... You know, as you give, God blesses you. It, it does apply, but it's not just talking about money there. Um, and, and so just understanding that it's bigger than that. It's not speaking just about money, but really, God's really dialing in on forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now, all of you probably just looked at me like, I would rather give my money, because <laughs> that's a whole lot easier than forgiveness at times, isn't it? Forgiveness is hard. See, there's a misunderstanding, there's a misconception about forgiveness. A lot of times we think, if I forgive that person, it, it lets them off the hook. Or it, it says that what you did wasn't a big deal, let's just let it go, let it be water under the bridge. But that's not what true forgiveness is. You know, again, remember when Jesus was literally hanging on the cross just before he breathed his last, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. While he's hanging there, while he's got the nails in his hands and feet, he is forgiving those who put those nails there. He's forgiving you and forgiving me. And so aren't we called, are we called to do the same at a minimum? <laughs> we are to extend forgiveness to somebody. I mean, sometimes it's a process, but we have to start somewhere. I had a family member very close to me in my life who did something really bad, and I knew at the very beginning, I'm like, I have to forgive. I, I knew that, and so I told him, I forgive you, but to be honest, that process wasn't complete probably for about three years. And God would keep working, you know, I'd be in a, I'd be in a service, I'd be at the altar praying, and there was something would creep up. I'm like, whoa, I thought I 
dealt with that, but then I would deal with it, and, and then I remember the day. I remember the day that I knew it was done. Like I had truly forgiven that person. And in a room this size with this many people and all the people watching online, you know, there are some horrific things that have been done to you. And it doesn't excuse that. It doesn't say that what was done was not a big deal. And as hard as it is, as challenging as it is, we are called to forgive. You know, and oftentimes you know, that the phrase forgive and forget, it's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy. And God doesn't forget. God sees you. He sees the pain. He sees what was done to you. He feels that pain. He loves you. But because of what the love that Jesus showed, we have to say, I forgive you. And really, what did, what did that do? It really sets us free, doesn't it? You know that person that's held on to unforgiveness? That person that's just, you know, I'm, I'm not going to ever forget that or let them go. What happens? That person just becomes bitter. Like, you, you, maybe you've met, I've met, I've had people, I've seen people in my life, I've met people, and it's like anything, anytime you're around them, it's always just bitterness that they're, it's just bubbling over, right? Because what's in here will eventually come out here, right? And so for those watching today, either online or for you in person, I would encourage you, forgive. Forgive. And that's what God, what's what Jesus here is calling us to, is to forgive, and you will be forgiven. Here, this, this word forgive holds with it this, this meaning to pardon or to set free. But as I said, really, it starts with setting ourselves free. We can't, we don't have a right to hold that person on the hook. And so understanding God's principle of sowing and reaping really, truly does bring humility. So first question, am I walking in humility? The second question, another H here, am I pursuing holiness? Am I pursuing holiness? What is that to be like Jesus? And, you know, this word holiness, I think we've, not done a good job as, as a church. I'm not just talking about here. I'm talking in general. You just, people don't preach about holiness a lot anymore. What it is to walk in the steps, in the footsteps of Jesus, so to speak, to walk in right standing. Is that saying that we walk perfectly? Nobody's perfect here. Nobody's perfect. We all make our mistakes. But the, the thing is, though, we should be striving towards being like Jesus and asking God to help us. And so this idea, this question of am I pursuing holiness, before we choose to engage somebody or to, you know, judge an action or motive or to, to, to have that conversation, we need to be asking ourselves, am I truly pursuing holiness in my own life? And I believe in the crowd here, as, as Jesus is saying this, he's beginning to shift his gaze from just everybody, and I believe he's starting to dial in onto the Pharisees that were in that crowd. Not quite yet, but he's getting there. And so just kind of have that picture in your head as we continue through this. But uh, verses 39 through 40, he, this is where he enters into this parable where he says, Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Now picture this moment as he begins to scan and he's looking right at the Pharisee. 
Jesus is the teacher. <laughs> and standing right in front of the Pharisee. And he is saying, the Pharisees, and he is saying this, you know, Again, everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. So he's saying, why aren't you, if you are truly following me, why aren't you like me? Why are you continuing to keep the people under your thumb? Why are you persecuting God's people? Because that's what the Pharisees did. They, they lifted themselves up on the backs of the God's people. They saw themselves as better. And so Jesus is starting to speak to the heart of them here, and he's dialing in very quickly. And, and as we look at this, there are, I, believe, I believe there's two um, aspects to it, an inner, inward aspect and an outward. And I want to look at these really quick. First, again, coming back to us, and as, as we see the situation unfolding, is, is we must constantly be examining ourselves here for sin, in ourselves. And once we see it, we need to address it, confess it, and, and forsake it. Right? We talked about this. Repentance, right? We have to get to that place. And that's really what Jesus is looking at. Because the Pharisees, again, outwardly had it all together. But they refused to look in here. To see that their heart had become hard and they were far from God. In 1 Peter 1 Verses 15 and 16, it says, But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. In 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We've touched on this before. We have a responsibility. We do have a responsibility. It says to cleanse ourselves. Now, and once we can't cleanse it by ourselves. We need Jesus, but we have a part in that, don't we? We have to let go of those things and say, God, show me. And he will. He will. Some of you sitting here today, I believe God is already beginning to work things in your heart. He's showing you things. And it's what will you do with those things that he's showing you, those areas that you need to confess and to let go, where sin has been allowed to kind of linger. In Hebrews 12, 14, it says to pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. We are to seek peace with one another. But we're also to pursue holiness. What does that mean? When there is something wrong in the church or when somebody's not walking things out right and there's sin there, this idea of mutual accountability, right? We can say something about that. because Why? Because we're all supposed to be moving towards holiness. Supposed to be working towards that and walking in that. You see, only when we find ourselves self-examining on a consistent basis are we able to recognize and address the sin in other people. It's from the right place then. This is why when we take communion, we read that every time. We're supposed to examine ourselves, right? Examine our hearts. And so it's not a fun thing, I know. <laughs> no one wants to hold the mirror up to themselves and say, oh, wow, look at all the problems I have. Because <laughs> I think most of us, most of us want to live in kind of oblivious to our own sins. Because <laughs> then we don't have to deal with them, right? We just kind of like, yeah, whatever. 
But when God shows us that, then it's up to us to engage that and let him do what he does. So again, first, first thing is inwardly. Second thing is outwardly. And we need to be able to distinguish or judge authentic holiness in others as well, including spiritual leaders by their fruits, or, or we could call that their actions. Again, as we ask ourselves this question of, am I pursuing holiness? We need to be distinguishing that within ourselves, but then also with others. You see very quickly, oftentimes, that there's, there's fruit, or there's, like I said, there's either right fruit or wrong fruit. I think people have our time, not so much in our culture, but it can, they can in certain circles where, you know, it, with spiritual leaders, right? That was one of the hardest things pastoring overseas is because in many of those cultures that are there, there's this tendency to put the pastor up on this super high pedestal. And if you're not constantly taking an ax to your own pedestal and chopping that down, you know, to get somebody to call me Dell was like next to impossible. It's like, no, pastor, I can't. No, pastor, I can't. Pastor, pastor, no. My first name's not pastor, it's Dell. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate, I understand the respect and you know, it's fine, but it's like, I'm a person the same as you. <laughs> and so you've got to constantly be careful. And, and I, I want to tell you today as well, sitting here in person and online, you know, check what I'm saying. I'm a human being the same as you. I can get it wrong. You know, when I share things here, I, I hope you're going home and you open up your Bible and you read and you go over it and say, yeah, this, is, this was right. This was an amazing message. Pastor Dell did an amazing job. <laughs> every Sunday. Every Sunday, right, yeah. No, but you need to be checking. You know, you, you, you get to know people and you, you trust them and that's, that's fine, you know, please. But don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but we've got to be so careful. And especially today, do you know why? Because anybody has the internet, anybody has a stinking little camera, and everybody thinks they've got something to say that people want to hear. <laughs> Can I get an amen to that one? <laughs> it's like, you know, you're, you're living in your mom's basement, you know, come on, what do you, you need to get out, you've not even experienced the world, and you think you've got a bunch of, no. But they sure will, they'll, they'll, they'll get all the cool like graphics and stuff and they get out there and they got a following of like 5 million people or something. Like what in the world? And so there are so many voices. The, the access is so great to so many things. And if we're not careful, we can get on the wrong track very, very quickly. So you need to be discerning. You need to be judging by the fruits, by what they're saying. Is it matching up with scripture? In a day and age where we, you know, we see so many, so many leaders, right, Christian leaders that are falling morally, left and right. You know, recently, uh, one of, you know, Ravi Zacharias, somebody I, I hold dear, I love his teachings, and he passed away recently, as you know, but a lot of things are coming out about him and some things. And I've struggled with it. I'll be honest, I've struggled, you know. I didn't look to him as perfection, obviously, but you know, if you ever watched him and when he engages somebody, especially people that don't know Christ, it just you could always see that he saw the person more the, behind the question. He was always speaking in love and in kindness. And you know, I I can't say this 100% for sure, but I am fairly confident that Ravi is standing in the presence of the Lord all, right now. Okay. And it's you know more than I don't need. We don't need to dial in right now on everything that he did wrong. As much as the way that people <laughs> have judged, 
And you know, the, the whole, what's the phrase, you know, the, you that live in a glass house, you know, be careful when you throw rocks or whatever. And so many pastors, you know, are just speaking out, you know, this and that, and oh, no, and you know, everybody's taking all this stuff off the shelves, and again, what he did was wrong, and there's, it is what it is. But it's how people are handling it, how people are choosing to go about it. Just because he did some things in person with somebody, how many of these people that are judging and casting stones just do it on their computer screen at home? To look on a, a woman, as the Bible says, in the wrong way is to commit adultery. <laughs> or man, you guys aren't off the hook either. <laughs> yeah, sorry. What does it say? It's, it's, it starts here. It's the sin in the heart is the thing. And so, again, we were so quick, right? We can jump. I don't want to stand on that because it may not go well, but we don't, we, we're so quick to jump on that pedestal if we're not careful. Like, I would have never done that. Well, you don't know what it's like to speak to millions of people, thousands of people in a stadium, and all that comes with that. We don't understand that. And so be very careful how we, again, go about it. It's okay to judge the fruit. It's okay to say that there's something wrong, because there was. But be very careful to not fall on the wrong side of that. But go, coming back again to these, this, this outside, these external things that we can see, even in spiritual leaders. And so understand that during Jesus' time, there wasn't easy access to knowledge. You only learned from a teacher with the intention of becoming like them. They didn't have the internet back then, all right? They didn't have access to the world. And so, you know, they couldn't live by, you know, in Google we trust, like we do here, right? If we ever have a problem, Google it. How do I, you know, brush a, a horse's mane? You can Google that, you know? Take your pick. How do you whittle a, whatever, flute out of a solid piece of mahogany? Google it. I bet you there's some guy in the world has done that, or woman. We go to Google for everything, don't we? And it's there all the time, and it sure does respond and give us good answers. But understand that in the time of Jesus, and what he's getting at is, is again, you, you would sit under a person. You would find someone, and if you were fortunate enough, especially the, the ones that were teachers, you would sit, you would become a pupil. Why? Because you would sit and study. They would share their wisdom with you, and you would learn and grow, and you were emulating their life. And we've lost this in the church today, haven't we? <laughs> Pastor Tony, we have conversations all the time about discipleship. You've, it's like a curse word in the church. Nobody, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? No, I'm supposed to, you know, it's, it's hard for people to, to live by that because you think about our culture, right? Back in the day, you would go to, if you had a question, you would go to your grandfather or somebody that's been around for a while. Now, like, we can barely parent our kids because you try to say something and help, and they're like, whatever. I'm going to go to my friends. Or I'm going to go online. I'll find it out for myself. But what that's happened is that's creeped into the church where we no longer are, are growing together. We're not discipling. We are, I mean, some are. Don't, don't get me wrong. But as a whole, it's a much harder thing to get going because it's, it's, it's just not in our culture now. Again, people, today people have full access to knowledge, but they fail to learn wisdom. They have full access to knowledge, but they fail to learn wisdom. We have a lot of really smart people making dumb decisions. 
I'll let that simmer for a second. It's true though, right? Knowledge here does not equate to wisdom. And so, again, we have to understand and, and know when we're dealing with this, this idea of judgment, and we need to be asking ourselves, and as we look at others, are we pursuing holiness together? In Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are raging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. How many wolves are in the church today? How many wolves are in the church standing behind a pulpit today? And now you think even more than ever, again, we had to adapt a lot to get everything online. Well, everything's online now. So people are just slowly being misled. They're being led astray. But understand, again, there was a warning given, and we have to be so careful. We have to look at the fruit of someone's life. So after we ask ourselves, am I walking in humility? Am I pursuing holiness? The third question as we enter into judgment or dealing or engaging someone is this, another H, am I being honest with the person and myself? Am I being honest? And now Jesus is, is looking through the Pharisees. He is digging deep, and he says this in uh, verses 41 through four, the first part of 42. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, notice he uses the word brother, right? This is how we know they're talking about the Pharisees and the, the Christians. Or I mean, sorry, the people of God at that point. Brother, let me, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, even, or sorry, when you yourself don't see the log in your own eye, and then he finishes with this hypocrite. We can lose kind of the, the, the weightiness of, of words sometimes when we read scripture. That word hypocrite is not a friendly word. <laughs> it's like when he would refer to uh, 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 brood of vipers, right? To the Pharisees as a brood of vipers. Another one is, is dog, you dogs. Right? Again, that doesn't translate to cultures on the other side of the world. Well, no, sorry. It doesn't translate here as well as over there. That's, in the Middle East, that's what you call somebody. Like, if you really want to get them, you call them a dog. Here, you know, we love dogs. We, they're cute little puppies. And There? No. No, they don't. It, they're unclean. And so understanding when he says this word hypocrite, it's a very weighty word. And so, again, it's this idea of being honest with ourselves and with others. Let's drop the facades, let's drop all the smoke and mirrors and just be real and are we being honest as we engage in this? It's a lot like if somebody was on their 10th marriage and they were criticizing someone that's just on their second. <laughs> it's like, no, we're all, <laughs> we all need Jesus, we all need help. And so being honest and understanding you see, Jesus here isn't condemning mutual accountability, right? This whole speck in the eye, log in the eye conversation or what he's, what he's saying. He's not condemning that. He's not condemning moral responsibility or the need to address sin in the church. Again, that word that he's dialing in on here is the hypocrisy that the Pharisees were functioning and operating by. Hypocrisy. 
Too often, again, we'll just point out, it's easy to point out other people's sin when we ourselves have this huge pile of stuff that we've got to deal with ourselves. Am I being honest with that person and with myself? And finally, the, the fourth question we need to ask ourselves after we ask, am I walking in humility? Am I pursuing holiness? Am I being honest? The last one is what am I going to, to point, is what I'm going to point out helpful? Is it helpful? And the last part of 42, first, take the log out of your, your eye, then you will see clearly to take out the speck in your brother's eye. There comes a point, again, Jesus didn't say, don't, don't address the speck. <laughs> what he did say is address here first, but there is a point where you need to, we need to say something. Understand that. You know, and that's, that's not a bad thing. We need to do that. In Galatians 6.1, it says, Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, okay, that, that holds with it like an, uh, a bit of maturity spiritually, right? Those of you who are spiritually mature should restore a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you won't be tempted. You see, we cripple not just ourselves, but also the body of Christ when we fail to identify and address the sin both in our life, right? And in the church. Because this is what can happen, and this is what I think happens far too often. We are fully aware of the sin in our own life. And so we disqualify ourselves, or we choose not to deal with that, and so we feel that we are not in a place, I can't say anything about so-and-so or so-and-so. I can't go to that person and say, you know, I think God really wants this to be different in your life. Because we're under the weight of our own guilt. Right? And I think more times than not, we have failed to recognize the significance of the cross and the significance of the power of the blood of Christ that covers sin. That you are found accepted before God because of Jesus. And your sins are washed away. And all we have to do is we have to, when, they, when it shows up, we just have to deal with it. We have to give it to God. But too many of us are living under the lie that we're not good enough, that we're not clean enough. And by ourselves, we're not. We're not good enough. We're not clean enough. But if Jesus is truly Lord of our life, Jesus has covered that and made us clean. And that is the reason why we're found accepted before God, a holy God. And that is why we can challenge and spur one another on. Not because I've arrived, because I realize how much dirt and, and sin is in my own life, and I realize the amazing gift that Jesus gives us to set us free. And I just want you and you and you and you watching online, I want you to be free. But because the church fails to address sin and lets it linger, we've been crippled. And my prayer is through all the stuff that's going on, all the uncertainty, and if you've, if you've kind of sensed something, even through the messages and the preaching and, and where we're headed as a church, is God, I believe God's calling us to holiness. God's calling us to repentance. God is starting here in each and every one of us because he wants to use this church to do amazing things.
to reach the lost, to be a light in the darkness. But it cannot happen until we start right here. Church, we need to be, become more like Jesus. It's a, it's, a, it's a simple statement. We say it a lot, but we need to become more like Jesus. In Corinthians 3.18, it says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You see... I remember when I was, I came to this understanding about the moon. the moon. The moon has no light. I know all of you knew that. I didn't. I, just, I was late in life. The moon has no light. It sure is bright at nighttime, though, isn't it? <laughs> Especially if it's a full moon out and, it's in, you know, no clouds. But what is that moon doing? It's reflecting the sun. That's, we don't have light in in us to reflect or to, to, to emanate, so to speak. We only reflect the light from Jesus. But the problem is, is too many of us are like a dirty mirror. We've not dealt with that sin and it becomes dirty. And so that reflection becomes very dim, doesn't it? We should be living out our lives in such a way that it is evident that we have truly repented of our sin and are cooperating with the Holy Spirit towards holiness. As the musicians begin to make their way up here, I want us to, to just really think about this, this thought, this idea, that we as Christians are called to judge right from wrong. We can do that. It's not bad and it's not wrong if done in the right heart. And we, I do think we also need to get used to this, this phrase of don't judge me. <laughs> Just get used to it. Expect it. You know, if you've gone through these questions and you know that your heart's in the right place, this, and this is what we've got to do, right? We're, we're called to obedience. And if you know that God has put that on your heart, that you need to speak to that person, that you need to resolve that, then it becomes an issue of you being obedient to what God's telling you to do. And they may not say, like, I'm so glad that you pointed out all my faults or what I've got wrong. They probably won't do that. But you still need to do it in the right heart and be prepared. They may come back. But I'll, I'll tell you this, and I've experienced this, you know, I'd say maybe it's been 50-50 in my life. But I'll tell you as far as addressing things with people. But I've been shocked. There's nothing like it when you step in and you, you've prayed and you've searched your heart and you know that it's the right thing and you just want to be obedient and you engage that person. You say, listen, I get it. I get it. My list of things that I do wrong, my, my own sin, I get it. But I just want God's best for you and for your life. And you begin to open this. And again, when, when you have those moments where that person's like, you're right. You're right. And then the question comes then is, is, will you walk with that person? Will you show the love of Christ to that person as they, they try? And they probably fall and they fail, right? But we don't give up. We help them back up and we, we continue to walk that out with them. Isn't that what love is? 
Isn't that what love is? I think so many times we expect people, it's like throwing a kid on a bicycle and just sending them down the hill and expecting them to get it the first time. They're probably going to end up off the road in the bushes, scrape knees and everything else, and they're probably going to do it, you know, many more times. But what do we do? Get them up, brush them, put a Band-Aid on it, right? Say, hey, love you. You're doing great. I'm right here with you. We send them again. And they get it, don't they? It comes down to church. Are we showing mercy as it has been shown to us, to people? As we, we judge fruit, as we judge things that we see, and even from the right heart in the right place. I heard, I think it was um, Francis Chan, I believe, did it with his one of his kids one time. They, they did something wrong, right? And they were expecting, you know, the... The, the, the spanking, or I don't know if he spanked, or whatever, but discipline, right? Whatever was coming down, whatever form that was. And uh, he's like, all right, come on. And the kid's like, what's going on? He's like, come on, get in the car. And so they start driving. You know, I don't know, like, I don't think he was headed out to the woods or something. You know, that could be awkward, getting scary. But anyway, they end up at the ice cream shop. And the kid's like freaking out now. Like, I think dad's lost his marbles or something. And so he's like, what's going on? He's like, well, come on. And they go inside, and he's like, what do you want? And he buys them the biggest, like, ice cream thing that you could imagine, exactly what they wanted, and the kids kind of... So he sits down, and, and before they... And while the spoon's sitting there, and he looks at the kid, he says, you know what? You do not deserve this Sunday. You deserve punishment. But I'm going to show you mercy. Just as Jesus has shown us mercy our sin not because we've earned it we didn't earn the big Sunday <laughs> we earned the discipline but how many of you here and I want you to raise your hands how many of you here are thankful that God is merciful if you lived a life at all and I think most of us here have done things that we are ashamed of we've missed it so many times but how many of us can say Lord thank you for your mercy Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for giving me life even when I didn't deserve it. But how quick are we to take that from other people? Be kind to people. Love people. Show mercy. Show forgiveness. And I promise you, Jesus will take care of the rest. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for today. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, Lord. That we serve a Savior. That we serve a good God that loves us. That reached out even while we were still in our sin. That saved us. Not because we deserved it. Not because we're good. But because you are so great and so merciful. God, turn our hearts to you. God, as we see things and we know that we need to engage, God, let us always do so from a, a heart of, of mercy and from kindness and forgiveness. Let us love others as you have loved the church, Lord, as you have loved us. God, I thank you that you give us wisdom. Give us eyes to see, Lord God. Let us make judgments that are good. 
and holy. Let us not back down, Lord, even from the hard conversations or those hard moments, Lord God, but let us step into them and let us do so in a way where it's evident and clear, Lord God, that we are your children, that we are children of mercy and grace. But God, that we know that we serve a God who requires holiness. Search our hearts, Lord. Let us be quick to repent. Let us turn from our wicked ways, Lord. And God, we would ask, Lord, that we would bask in your glory, that we would reflect it, Lord God, in such a way that people would know us, Lord, just by seeing us, just by our actions, before we even say a word, that they would see you. God, we thank you that you are a God who does not give up on us, that you are a God who changes our hearts and turns them to you. Thank you for each one here today, God, and thank you for those watching online. Whatever it is that you're facing today, the cross is enough. The price has been paid. You just need to receive it. Ask God to forgive you of whatever sin it is. And Jesus' blood is enough. God, we thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that we serve a risen Savior. And if you're here in this place today or you're watching online and you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to pray a, a simple prayer of, Lord, I repent. I confess that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and was laid in the grave and on the third day rose again. And that I can have eternal life through him. And if you prayed that prayer today, whether here or online, if you're online, talk to somebody there. They'll pray with you. They'll get you on the right track. If you're here, I pray that you'll just uh, talk to one of the, us pastors or talk to someone. We would love to help you. Father, thank you for what you've done today. Thank you, Lord, for the road you laid before us. And God, that you will be faithful through it all. In Jesus' name.